0: everyone welcome to the film for fans podcast your home for movie news reviews and movie fan views that's right this is the podcast from movie fans for you the movie fans all right i am your host ryan Dunlevy, and i'm joined as always by my co-host rob dunham good to see you everybody We're all
1: uh, you know figuratively speaking
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> The whole seeing everybody has become really complicated. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So if you like the Film for Fans podcast, we want everyone to watch the Film for Fans podcast. So um, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about it, share it. Um, If you don't, you too will be forced to watch the Golden Globes. No! One of you who actually watched it. You will all be forced to watch it.
1: You went negative and like you threw off my whole vibe because you've been going (laughs) positive and I've been the bad guy. So it's going to be extra, just double bad because we're talking about time travel. So if you don't like subscribe and watch the film for fans podcast, I will travel back in time and move your keys one foot from where they are right now. And you will never find them.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So we have an excellent show. Uh, We are going to be talking about tracking down the DeLoreans, Superman rebooting again, for some reason, (laughs) and the best time travel movies. What's not to love about that? All right. So Rob, you ready to kick it off with some DeLorean talk? Well,
1: I know my wife is going to be excited when she hears this topic of conversation. So (laughs)
0: let's go back.
1: To the, to the future
0: yes <laughs> ah, i love it ah so um this is this is of course movie related um but basically the story is that there is going to be a four-part um expedition unknown series for direct discovery plus that's going to feature christopher lloyd as he attempts to track down the remainder of the deloreans um As most people know, or at least some people know, there was the main DeLorean that they used, which is in uh, the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles. But apparently, they actually used seven different DeLoreans for the series, and six of them are somewhere. Hmm. And so this four-part series is going to show Christopher Lloyd attempting to track down the location of the missing DeLorean. Yes. And in the meantime, he's going to run into some of his old cast members, including Michael J. Fox um, and a bunch of other people. Leah Thompson will be in it. Um, a whole bunch of other people who were had some role in in the series. So this seems pretty fascinating. Uh, I, I, I love Back to the Future. I love the DeLoreans. Well, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, like I said, uh, my wife is definitely well on board for this series, and I'm looking forward to it, too. I'll enjoy watching it with her. We don't have Discovery Plus yet, but I guess we're getting it. (laughs) 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 To at least watch this and then not have it anymore. I don't know. But, um, yeah, uh, we really enjoyed the Back to the Future movies as well, despite the fact that I remember when I was a little kid, my parents watched the first one and were like, yeah, we don't we don't appreciate the language, so you're not allowed to watch that movie. <laughs> but I'm glad that I, as an adult, gave it a chance because they are some of my favorite uh, time travel story movies for sure. And it's a great it's a great series from start to finish, really cohesive and interesting. Different takes on things throughout the movies, but one big overarching storyline. I really enjoyed Back to the
0: Future trilogy a lot. Yeah, so that that kind of brings me to this question. Um, You know, 35 years later, these movies are still wildly popular. The DeLorean still holds a tremendous amount of fascination. And so I just want to think about why do you think that is? What was it about Back to the Future? The movie itself and the DeLorean that has spawned so much interest. I know, I, I saw a DeLorean a number of months ago in a parking lot, and I flipped out. I was like, oh, it's a DeLorean, this is great. Like, you just don't see them. And I, what is it, what do you think it is about this movie and that car that just continue to hold fascination with the public? I think it's just like such a hideous
1: and unique vehicle. <laughs> 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 like, aesthetically, it's garbage. But because it's tied to this movie, like it has this special place of reverence. Like It's not like a Mustang or a Ferrari or something like that. It's very much the opposite of that. It's very dumpy and dowdy and boring. But because of what they did with it in the movie, it's become this like incredible supercar. And I think part of it, too, is the fact that they have not been manufactured in so long. Mm -hmm. That is like a relic of the past. And we, when uh, I think almost everyone uh, thinks of the movies when they see that car, like it's just so inextricably tied to those stories that it's become something with a life of its own.
0: Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to that, Uh, especially because the DeLorean company famously just imploded and went under shortly after that this is kind of the only thing left of it and like you're saying if it was just an older model like like think about james bond and his aston martins you know or whatever like you're like oh that's a cool car that's a classic james bond car but there's not the level of fascination with them because of this unique thing where this car existed for a short amount of time and was made so famous during these movies i think too just um the the fact that it was a period piece helps it stay relevant because when you go back to a certain time frame, the, the quote technology exists within that time frame. So you're not getting one of those where you're seeing like old computers, super old computers or things like that. Uh now it's still like the 1980s shots are definitely 1980s, but I think I think overall the idea the storyline of trying to get back home and traveling through time. I, I think that piece of it still resonates. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, all this time later, it's still, still enough to go looking for missing DeLoreans. So you got anything else on this one?
1: I do not. I'm ready to, uh, hop on into the DeLorean though, and go back to the future again.
0: Yes. (laughs) all right so we got to move on to our next story and yeah do we um,
1: do we do we have to really
0: i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so superman's getting another reboot
1: oh goody
0: tell me more another reboot for superman it's in the works with uh jj abrams bad robot production company And yeah, being written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which is also a thing. So I, this to me just illustrates the point that DC seems to have absolutely no direction and have no idea what they're doing. I mean, they just put all this money into the Snyder cut and are doing all this promotion with the Snyder cut while simultaneously like, yeah, you know, that Superman, you're going to see in the Snyder cut you've been wanting to look for. Yeah. He, you know, forget about him. I mean, how many times are they going to do this? Like it just doesn't uh, make any several sense.
1: Several more probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's just it, like they're on, they're getting a reboot. They don't know if Henry Cavill will be back. They don't know if anyone else is gonna be back. There's rumor, has it Michael B. Jordan is going to be, you know, included. Um, This to me just seems like, uh, like I have no confidence that this is a, a good idea or B, that it will be done to any level of competence.
1: I think that a spinoff with Michael B. Jordan, where you're looking at um, a black Superman character as they are, you know, putting it forth. Is interesting because I think that um, into the Spider Verse with Miles Morales as a different Spider Man was done very effectively, mm-hmm. but that was not DC. Yeah. <laughs> so my <laughs> my faith in their ability to handle it effectively is diminished by a lot. Um, Superman, just with Brandon Roth with uh, with uh, Henry Cavill, just the crazy back and forth different characters we never actually got Nicolas cage and my heart breaks for that (laughs) um you know it's it's hard to really know what is happening and when when it comes to superman uh (laughs) they had such a good run uh in the 80s movies Mm -hmm. and to see it like fall completely apart from that uh is kind of rough because christopher reeve was great as superman and it seems like they just have not landed on who that person is gonna be like brandon was not bad as superman but the movie didn't like hit and so they tried henry and now are they moving on from henry like to me henry has been more than adequate as Mm -hmm. superman yeah but the movies around made around him have not been good and I don't think that's really his fault, but he might be a casualty of that.
0: Yeah, and I just, I don't have faith in that crew that they're going to do Superman justice. And that that they're going to put something out that is really going to be A, of quality, and B, that's going to be <clears throat> true to the character.
1: There was only some League that could bring us justice when it comes to superman
0: <laughs> hey you know <laughs>
1: imagine a justice league just imagine
0: imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know and it's it's weird because they've even had success with superman in some of the tv shows with yes. you had in the '90s, you had the, the Lois and Clark series. In the 2000s, you had the Smallville series, which ran for ten seasons. Um, so they've had success with Superman, but whatever, whatever the case is, they've just not been able to they've not been able to land on on a successful product in Superman.
1: Well, uh, we all know the reason that you like Smallville was not Superman, so we can just move on from that and- <laughs> right now.
0: Okay. <laughs> hey. It is what it is, man. <laughs>
1: uh, my favorite recent portrayal of Superman, and I keep on going back to it, is in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Because in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, Superman is voiced by Nicolas Cage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be the- a podcast without yeah. Nicolas Cage reference. For those
1: of you who don't know, Nicolas Cage was supposed to be Superman in the late 80s, early 90s, and it just never got off the ground to the sadness of our entire world.
0: Yes. <laughs> It was the film, the lost film that we absolutely needed.
1: Yeah, uh, man, just uh, imagining Prime Nicholas Cage as Superman. Like, there's nothing that could be better.
0: Nothing. Absolutely not. I mean, that's (laughs) the stuff of legends right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so let's uh, let's move on from the depressing results of Superman Reboot. Um, and look, this is kind of an interesting story. I found this fascinating. Um, Deadline is reporting that uh, the agreement that Hollywood put together, the negotiations between the actor studios or the actors guild and the studios um, in order to return to the movies during COVID is scheduled to be up in April. And so they're looking to renegotiate that and update it, you know, with the, with the, uh, changing circumstances and everything along those lines. And one of the interesting things I found with this is they're floating out the idea of kind of COVID vaccination requirements, which could be really interesting um, as part of this deal. And this is kind of one of those like behind the scenes story of things that most of the time we don't see in the movie industry how the uh, the actors studios have to and studios have to negotiate back and forth about what the sort of conditions will be and what the safety protocols will be and um, I think it's fascinating that they're contemplating now this would certainly have to be negotiated but they're contemplating requiring vaccines and I wonder if uh, I wonder how most of the industry would take that and if this will end up if some of these things will end up being stumbling blocks going forward for movies. Uh, so what do what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, if everyone has access to vaccines, like that would be a great thing. Like, yeah. if, if, if it can be implemented, implemented with the knowledge that everyone has the ability, you know, to get one. Um, then I think it's a great idea. The, I guess the question is much like the rest of the world. Uh, I know myself at least we're kind of wondering like when, we'll yeah. be able to actually get one. <laughs> so you wonder if yeah. it's different, if it's different for an industry like that, if there's just an easier path to making that happen, where they can confirm that everyone has been taken care of. Mm-hmm. So like, I, if if that's a possibility, then it seems like a good idea. But um, like you said, these things go through like hours of negotiation before they come to a final conclusion. So mm-hmm it's hard to say where it will end up.
0: Yeah. And if this is, this is kind of the, there's a bunch of other things that need to be negotiated, but this is the vaccines are kind of the big one because there's only like a, just a real brief mention of, of a vaccine in the original agreement. Cause it just wasn't, it wasn't close enough to being ready when they, when they originally put out this deal. So it will be fascinating to see what happens as to um whether they update some of the safety protocols, whether they're able to relax some of the distancing and some of the like limiting of the crew being there if they end up requiring vaccines. So kind of like the rest of the world, we're all figuring what the transition out of this is gonna look like. <laughs> and so um, I wonder if we'll get a little bit of a glimpse of a piece of that with, uh, with the negotiations from the actors and the studios. Okay. Well, I'm ready about for talk about time travel. Are you ready to talk about time travel?
1: I was ready yesterday.
0: <laughs> and I'm ready again now. I will be ready yesterday.
1: Yes, exactly. That's... I was right. ready four days from now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in light of in light of our back to the future story that we covered earlier, I thought this would be a cool time to talk about our favorite slash best time travel movies. Um So I know for me, time travel movies are some of my absolute favorites. I love the subject. As a sci-fi fan and just from a a literary and a story standpoint, you can do so many cool things with time travel. Um, And there have been many, many attempts in cinema to delve into the realm of time travel. So I thought it would be cool to talk about time travel. So, But I think we first got to kind of establish kind of the baseline of what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about time travel movies. So I thought some of, the, some of the rules that I'm using is that somebody at some point needs to be in a timeline that is not their original timeline. Uh, for instance, I was doing some research on this and, and people had movies like Arrival in there and Interstellar. And both of those deal heavily with time, but no one is actually leaving their timeline. So some of those, I don't know if they qualify.
1: I mean, you could have explained that to me before we picked our movies because Arrival's on my list. Ah,
0: okay, well, <laughs> I, we, can, we can give the caveat in this one. We can give the caveat in this one because it is on many of the lists. Fair enough. Production
1: value, we are
0: we are we are professional
1: podcasters,
0: (laughs) 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 but it does deal heavily with time. So, um, so this is this is fine because this is part of the discussion is how we define time travel and how we define time movies. So, um, that's how I'm defining them. Rob is defining them slightly differently, and this can be part of what plays into it. So for me, I need specific roles. I need somebody out of a timeline into a different timeline at some point in the movie. Um, and I think there's there's some interesting things that, that make for a good time travel film. So Rob, is there anything off the top of your head that as just a general rule of thumb makes a good time travel movie?
1: Uh, well, I think when we're talking about time travel movies, the biggest thing to consider is the rules Mm-hmm. and something that can make a time travel movie good or bad is if it is consistent with its own rules yes because there are a lot of bad time travel movies that are not consistent with their own rules yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. and the ones that stay consistent are some of the ones that can really end up being the most confusing i think mm-hmm because if you're so steadfast, to I know the one you're going to talk about because it's like your holy grail of time travel movies <laughs> and I've watched it with you and I remember the first time just being like, uh, I don't understand what happened. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, I, the rules are a big thing. And movies that do it poorly get ripped apart by people who like these kind of
0: movies. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that's one thing. I think another thing is what consequences uh, are presented by changing something in the past, which you know, falls right back into that rules thing, because for some movies, the rules of what happens when something changes are different from what might happen in a different movie. So those are always things to consider when you're looking at a time travel movie.
0: Yeah. I, and, and those were two of the, thing, the main things for me on my list for that, too. Um, and I think the third one is that I think to make a good time travel movie, it has to play into the the human tendency, um, the human flaws. I think every good time travel movie, the, the act of, of traveling through time makes people encounter their own flaws, flaws in humanity one way or the other. And having to go back and face something in a different time period always seems to draw that out in the best movies. So that's just a little bit of a primer on great time travel movies. Now, let's Uh, see what you did there. I know. (laughs) Yep. Hey, you know, uh, this is this is how I work, man. Great transitions. Just right in there. (laughs) Some of you know where I'm going with this and some of you have no idea. (laughs) All right. So, Rob, um, go ahead and give us one of your time travel movies and then talk to us about why you why that fits on your list.
1: I'm going to do the one that you made fun of first, which is Arrival. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the funny thing about Arrival is it's new enough that I don't feel like I should talk a lot about what Mm. it is. <laughs> <laughs> um i'll just say that the mechanics of the encounter that the humans have with the beings from outer space which i don't think that's giving too much away because there's like a spaceship on the cover of the blu-ray yeah. um are thoroughly linked to not just communication through words and actions but communication through time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, it really brings to light questions about what we would do if our perception of time was different than we perceive it as human beings. And like I said, I don't want to say too much more than that because it completely spoils the movie. Yeah. (laughs) But to me, to me, it's firmly a time travel movie because the protagonist of the movie would not act in the way that they act likely. Um, unless they had this information or would they?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the question you can ask yourself when you're watching <laughs> the movie Arrival.
0: Yes. And either way, whether it is or isn't a time travel movie, is in his, is not in mine. Um, you need to see Arrival. It's fantastic. It is so, so good. It was, I think, when it first came out, it was on my, it was my top movie of that year. It's, it's really a great movie. All right. So I'm going to give one of mine and I'm going to start with, Primer. Yes. Primer. Now, a lot of people probably have not seen Primer. It's an indie movie. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't think it is anymore, Um, but it is, it is one of the best and most consistent time travel movies. They establish very clear rules about time travel and then use those rules to craft a fascinating, interesting story. I remember reading something I thought was absolutely perfect to describe this movie. And they said, this is what would happen if Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak back in their garage um, had, instead of inventing Apple computers, had invented time travel. (laughs) And this movie very much carries that vibe, like like low level engineers fooling around in their garage, accidentally inventing time travel. And what they do is they actually create time loops where there's there's set prescribed times where they loop back to a specific point. And the story starts out and immediately draws you in and then just gets crazier and more complicated as they they try to decipher more and more things about what they can and can't do with it. And so the deeper they get into it, and this is one of those movies where it takes that that human element where eventually our flaws as people um, end up breaking things down. And that's exactly what happens in Primer. But it's a movie you have to pay attention to because there's a lot happening and it gets really complicated. But the cool thing about it is, is that it's one of these indie, indie films that has very, very little, little budget. You can see in the, uh, in the credits in the back, they're like thanking people for like letting them use the spaces. So I don't even know how much they paid for half the stuff that they use in the movie, but it's really well done. And yeah, I would
1: say primer is like the ultimate time travel nerd movie. Yeah. And that's not a criticism. That's just wow. like, <laughs> it is, it is one that goes deep into the ideology behind time travel and what it would really mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Rob, what's, what's your next one on the list? Uh,
1: the next one for me is, very interesting because when I watched it the first time, despite the title, I didn't really realize what I was getting into. And I think the cover art does it no justice, and the general vibes given off by like what pe- most people might think the movie is don't. But there's a movie called About Time with Domino Gleason hmm. and Rachel McAdams. And uh, Domino Gleason's character discovers when he is 18 that all the men in their family can time travel. Hmm. And he had no idea about this until that point. And so he says in the movie, I realized when I found this out, that for me, it was always going to be about love. Hmm. And so it's a romantic comedy, but it has this element of time travel. And basically his character is trying, by repeating the same day over and over and over again, to have like the perfect relationship with this girl. So it's kind of got elements of groundhog's day in it. Um, the music in this movie is phenomenal. Like if you like music, you like a good soundtrack in the movie, you need to watch this movie. Um, a lot of very obscure things that I'd never heard before that just fit perfectly with what they're doing in the movie. Um, the consequences are real in the movie. The so that his character, like you said, you end up coming face-to-face with like who you really are in some of these movies. And his character's desire to make everything okay, to make sure that everything goes smoothly, doesn't always work out the way that he's hoping it to. And you see real heartbreak and real frustration at times because it didn't go the way he thought that it would go. And the story between him and his father, uh, his father's played by Bill Nighy. Um, The story between them is also very moving and evocative. So I, I'd recommend the movie about time. If you have not seen it, if you have been avoiding it because it just looked like a sappy romantic comedy, I promise you it's not that and uh, definitely worth watching. Excellent.
0: Yeah. I was actually watching a trailer for that yesterday or the day before I'm like, Oh, this sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, you if you have you need to see I'll that check movie. It out. it's really good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I would definitely have to check it out. So the second one on my list is Looper. Uh, I love Looper. This this was a film that I wasn't sure how good it was going to be, but it turned out to be much better than I thought. Um, this came out in t- 2012. Uh stars Joseph Gordon Levitt, Bruce Willis, and Emily Blunt. And this kind of takes an interesting track of uh, on, an interesting take on time travel because time travel is basically only done by bandits and outlaws uh, in, in this in this film. And so you have a situation where um, orders come down from the future and these guys called loopers um, are told to appear at a specific place and then someone gets, time travel back to wherever the time frame the looper is and they shoot them. They come back blindfolded and they shoot them. And eventually what happens is they get sent their own self back. They shoot themselves, thus closing the loop. So their future self gets sent back to get shot. And at which point they get a huge payout and they've got the next 30 years of their life to live out. Um, But things start going awry when a looper, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, fails to shoot his future self. And so chaos ensues as he runs around trying to essentially kill himself, while Bruce Willis is attempting to survive and uh, harm some people in the past. Uh, So it presents a a fascinating look at kind of the underside of time travel. what can go wrong when time travel is in the wrong hands. And there's so, what's so great about this is um, how they tie in the story. There's They end up on Emily Blunt's farm and she's got this kid who's who has some unusual abilities and how that storyline plays out and how they wrap up all of the different elements with regard to time travel is fantastic. This is another one that has really clear, uh, really clear rules and, and a consistent viewpoint. So I thought it was really, really good.
1: Yeah. That's one I've only seen once, I think. So I need to go back and watch that again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: one more for me. Uh, I would say it's probably my favorite time travel movie and it's not uh, strictly like you said, people in different timelines mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but it's the movie starring Dennis Quaid and Jesus uh, called Frequency. Hmm. Jim Caviezel, for those of you you. who may not know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jim Caviezel plays this guy who gets on a ham radio at uh, his father's house and calls, he's like, I don't even know if this thing works anymore. He starts to fail around with it and stumbles across his father from the past talking on the radio. And uh, his father has long since passed away in uh, his timeline. And he talks to him about like what's going on because he first of all has to establish like he's not playing a joke that he's actually who he says he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, as a baseball fan, it's pretty fascinating that he does that by predicting what's gonna happen in the World Series game for the Mets. Uh, and his dad's like, "How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it already happened. Like, I know what happened. Like, I can tell you what happens the whole rest of the series if you want." Yeah. Um, but that movie is fascinating to me because much along the same lines of About Time, uh, his efforts to fix everything have really unintended and massive consequences. And it really makes you consider, like, if we could change everything, would we want to do that? And um, Jim, so I think this was the first movie I saw Jim Caviezel in and he's just in my opinion he's a really good actor yeah hasn't has not been in enough big things in my opinion Mm -hmm. um but this is like a classic in my house i think i think we watched this together as when we were dating and it's one i watch this movie probably every year like it's just a really really solid movie Uh, so if you have not seen frequency you should definitely check that out
0: yeah, you'd need to see it. It's really, really good. And this one this one is borderline for me as to whether it fits my rules for time travel or not because they're messing with the timeline and, and altering things. And that has consequences, which is like classic time travel uh, storylines where the whole idea of unintended consequences. Um, but no, but everyone is staying inside their specific timeline so it's interesting it's interesting this is right on the border for me yeah they're
1: like they're staying inside their own timeline but they're helping well jim caviezel's character is helping his dad like perform actions in his timeline based off information that he has in the future which is really a crazy concept it's really cool
0: yeah yeah it's really well done so the last one i will talk about um and this, I, I contemplated talking about tenant, but I feel like we've talked so much about tenant that I would leave that one go. So I went in a different direction and this is a whole different kind of uh, genre of movie and that's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a fantastic movie. We've talked about it a little bit when the new one came out. Um, but it's so good. Like it's, it's, it's classic, it's nerdy. It's, you know, a bunch of doofuses who are about to fail out of high school, um, get gifted a time machine for the future to help them complete their history project. And they get the brilliant idea that they're gonna go back into the past and actually just steal people from history and have them appear in their history report. (laughs) And, And hilarity of course ensues. Um, I think one of my favorite times, uh, one of my favorite things, is when they recruit uh, Socrates, aka Socrates, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like these two, these two uh, dim-witted high school guys, Keanu Reeves being one of them, um, Alex
1: Winter being the Alex other, Winter
0: being the other one. Uh, but Keanu Reeves' character has to go up, and he's like, "Dude, go philosophize with him, man." And he goes up and starts quoting rock lyrics to him and blows Socrates away. And, and, uh, it's just so great. And then just the classic scene where they take them all to the mall and let them hang out at the mall, like dropping a bunch of historical figures in the mall and they all get into a tremendous amount of trouble. Um, we got uh, Billy the Kid and and Abe Lincoln trying to hit on girls. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so great. It's so funny. And... They did. It's just a completely different take on on time travel, especially towards the end, where they just go they go completely crazy. Hey, remember that I need to put keys here afterwards, and uh, they just start messing around with the laws of time travel um, pretty heavily at the end. But it's is really good, and it's it's one of the rare comedy time travel movies. So that's something for it.
1: And I'll say, well, not as good. Bill and Ted faced the music. The new one was also funny. It was enjoyable. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was better than I, I had anticipated. So
0: it was cool to see the story carried on a little bit as well. Absolutely. So those are some great time travel movies. If you have any of your favorite time travel movies, send them our way. We'd love to hear what you think and uh, the ones you're liking. Uh, hopefully this week um, I'm planning on putting some of them into a list uh, of an article for the website. So um, love to hear from you and check back, in you know, on FilmForFans.com, for fans.com. And uh, we will hopefully have a list up here soon.
1: Yeah. Check back in the future.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Wait, wait, way to wrap it up with a back to the future inclusio. I love it.
1: That's what I do. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm excellence personified. <laughs>
0: That's a, lot, that's a little much, but <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. All right, so right. Let's move on to our watch list. And these are films that the two of us watched over the past week that we'll talk a little bit about and give you a little update on those. Uh, so Rob, what's what's your uh, what was on your watch list this week?
1: Uh, this week, I watched the movie Ghost in the Shell starring Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson. Yes. Uh, which is a really well executed uh, sci fi movie um, focused around the idea of what would happen if you basically took a consciousness and put it into a shell or like an artificial body. Um, and they utilize different methods to make the people who are in this position forget their past and who they are so they can be more effective killing machines. I think we see that. <laughs> Motive a lot movies
0: uh,
1: where you try and like build the perfect soldier Um, Scarlett Johansson is really good in this movie and it has major like Blade Runner 2049 type vibes in it um, aesthetically uh, with like all the neon and uh, Far East kind of setting I really enjoyed it Uh, I think I've seen it before but not paid attention as closely as it did this time, and I definitely recommend it. I I think it's pretty
0: quality. Yeah, this is one I definitely keep coming back to. Um, I I thoroughly enjoy this film.
1: Uh, I also watched, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, a movie called The Pirates of Penzance from Hmm. 1983, starring Kevin Kline, which is the musical just as a movie. (laughs) And if you've never seen the musical or the movie, it's pretty hilarious. Like, it's definitely old English kind of humor Uh, may take you a little bit to, you know, grasp everything that's happening. (laughs) But I think that most people will have heard the modern uh, major general song at some point in their life, or at least a takeoff of it or a part of it. And the version that's done in this movie is probably my favorite version of that song. Mm. Uh, Just really funnily choreographed and sung by the actor. And it's one of my wife's favorite musicals. So I enjoy watching with her because she really likes it. And Kevin Kline plays the Pirate King and he's great in it. And it's really funny to see him like in more recent things. And then imagine him as a swashbuckling dude singing these songs. And as a side note for it, uh, the main female character in the movie is played by Linda Ronstadt. Mm. (laughs) So you've got this like legitimate rock star singing this Broadway stuff like flawlessly interesting and it's just really interesting to see her in that kind of character because it's so opposite to what you would have expected from her as a like a rock star so yeah um, really fun to see that as well
0: cool all right how about you so for me um i of course did my homework assignment that i gave all of you last week and i watched minority report um minority report fantastic movie um from and you have Tom Cruise in that. And this is, this is one of the great things about sci-fi, and you, you talked about it a little bit with Ghost in the Shell, is that it allows you to explore uh, philosophical what ifs. Like, what if you could do this? What would be the implications? What would be the implications for humanity? Um, and what downsides come along with the upsides? So if you haven't seen it, um, basically they develop what they call pre-crime which is they, through accident, being able to figure out that there's three individuals who can actually see murder before it happens. And they essentially capture these three individuals and and basically force them to be slaves um, in order that they can stop all murder. So murder completely decreases, but you're also arresting people who have committed no crimes technically. And you're enslaving three people to save a whole bunch of people from murder, and so that whole that whole idea of um, the good of the collective versus the good of the individual uh, comes to play here. Um, the idea of what actually constitutes guilt, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of really good philosophical things in Minority Report. So that is the first one on my list. The second one, I've been watching through some old, um, some late 90s classic movies. And so I watched uh, Kiss the Girls with uh, Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd um, based on the um, James Patterson novels with Alex Cross. Uh, So Morgan Freeman is of course excellent as always um, playing the detective Alex Cross and his niece gets kidnapped And as he begins investigating, he realizes that there's an entire string of kidnappings and murders, and he goes about investigating them. And Ashley Judd plays one of the kidnapped girls. And so it's it's a really well done adaptation, I think. And um, I always enjoy kind of the, the both serial killer and serial killer hunter, dynamic and i think morgan freeman did did a very good job um as alex cross i know that they've tried more recently with uh tyler perry which uh, that movie was not particularly great um but i'm I'm kind of surprised they didn't make uh too many more of these
1: yeah well the one that they did do was along came a spider which is one of my favorite 90s movies i think and tying it together in a very interesting coincidence the bad guy in along came a spider gary Sanji, is played also plays the bad guy at the beginning of ghost in the shell it's true (laughs) true. and he has not been in a whole lot of things so that's a really cool coincidence
0: Mm -hmm. and i tried to watch along came the spider but it wasn't on any streaming services so i I have to try and acquire it from the library or something yeah
1: i own that one (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so and the last one i watched was gone girl um this is this is a movie i enjoy this movie quite a lot it's uh it's kind of a cynics take on marriage it is um basically the story of a a woman who goes missing shockingly enough and and at first it's just your classic like Hey, these people had a bad marriage. But the more the the more it unfolds, the more you find out about this character. Um, the the couple are played by Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. And the more you find out about Ben Affleck's character, the more it's looking like, hey, maybe he's guilty, um, and Rosamund Pike is this innocent victim. And then the more you find out about her character, um, but it's really. <laughs> It's certainly not for everybody. But it's a really well-crafted story. It's based on the Gillian Flynn novel. And she actually wrote the screenplay uh, for the film. So she was not just involved, but she actually did the full rewrite. Um, And I think the movie is really, really well done. Directed by David Fincher. Um, The score was done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who have done a great job on a number of other films, especially even with David Fincher as well. The Girl in the Dragon Tattoo is uh, another example where they teamed up but it's just a great combination of excellent acting a really intriguing story that has like a middle pivot point where the story just kind of completely shifts and does a 180 Um, (laughs) but it really doesn't say a whole lot for marriage it's kind of like there's a there's a line at the end where where he's just talking about how miserable uh, they make each other and they're just she turns around and says well that's marriage <laughs> and oh, so, great. so if you want to feel great about marriage um this might not be the movie for you unless you want to feel great about your marriage because none of the stuff that happens in this movie has happened to you
1: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you have so, reason to watch it date night let's go
0: yeah so think about it it's, it's intriguing though um <laughs> all right so um We will close out this podcast by recommending a film, something that we recommend that you watch this week. So Rob, what do you got? Give the people something to watch.
1: So this is one that I had reviewed several weeks ago, probably a couple months ago now at this point. Um, But if you have Amazon Prime, I would recommend watching the movie Black Box, which is Mm. part of the Welcome to Blumhouse movie series that they've done uh, through Amazon Prime. And uh, just a really interesting look at what would happen if someone else was occupying someone's body and the consequences of that. So not quite time travel, but along the same line of what would happen if someone's reality was completely shifted. And is that okay? Is that not okay? What does that mean for what's going on? What does that mean for the life of the person before and how they interact with people? in their lives now like it's just it's uh very compelling and heartbreaking uh movie when you think about um the consequences of everything that's involved that happens so the movie is called black box and it's
0: on amazon prime yeah so i'm going to go with one that's currently on hulu and that's mr jones uh this is a movie that came out last year Uh, And it's a fascinating it's a fascinating story. Basically, there is a Welsh journalist who risks his life attempting to um, get the story out about the Soviet Union basically starving its own people in the 1930s um, and just killing tons and tons of people through starvation and them trying to cover it up. So what you see in this movie is you see both the good side of journalism and exposing the truth, and you see the bad side in journalism, as there were several journalists who were doing lots of work trying to cover up and trying to basically do the work of the Soviet Union for what it's worth. Uh, But this is this is one of those historical stories that not a lot of people know about. Um, I'm fascinating with it because uh, I read uh, the Gulag Archipelago, or I've been reading the Gulag Archipelago, and this is something that gets mentioned in that. And just the just the sheer devastating um, effects of what the Soviets did to their own people um, is an undertold story. And so this this one stars James Norton, Vanessa Kirby, and Peter Sarsgaard. So um, yeah, check out Mr. Jones on Hulu. All right, Rob, you got anything to say before we end?
1: I do not. I'm hungry. I'm going to go get some food.
0: I hear you. I'm hungry, too. Yeah. (laughs) We got to wrap this up. We got to end it. All right, people. (laughs) We're hungry, so we're going to end this podcast. Uh, But thank you for tuning in to the Film for Fans podcast. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about it. Um, And visit filmforfans.com. We got lots of great content over there. And until next time, enjoy the movies.